0: Welcome to A Tribe Called Yes, the podcast that brings you closer to the world's most notorious risk-takers, trailblazers, and enemies of the status quo. Now, here's your host, Darren K. Roberts.
1: Welcome back to A Tribe Called Yes. We are here with Miss Donaldson. Now, hey, at the time of this taping, Christia was still working as an attorney with Oracle, but since that time, she has gone all in on her company. Thank God it's natural. Listen closely now to hear how to convert your side hustle into a full-time enterprise. You know, I'm thinking about, you said that back at the law firm, you had to, you know, you wore a wig because, you know, the curly hair wasn't the thing that people did at the at the white shoe, shoe law firms. And now as a as a womanpreneur as a female entrepreneur have you had to tweak your style like what has that experience been like um and have you i mean first of all you don't strike me as someone who tweaks your style all that much anyway you are who you are Mm -hmm. but do you find there to be some differences or have you ever stopped to think you know if i were a man this would be different
0: yeah for sure Hmm. i mean well there are several levels to this question meaning like do you have to tweak your style And then I guess the piece about how things would be different if I were a man. So Mm -hmm. I would kind of approach those as two separate issues. So, yeah, I do have to tweak my style. So, for instance, like I'm very casual Because I work from home a lot. So it's like, you know, yoga pants, exercise gear, what have you, especially doing this over the last 10 years. And then when you have to go out in public, you kind of have to, you know, dress up and put on a show, if you will, and look the part of a CEO yo. And so you got to clean up. And it's funny, because in Silicon Valley, to be straight, you know, these white boys can wear their little hoodie and not comb their hair and take a shower and show up and give a pitch. But I have to look like, you know, I stepped out of Neiman Marcus catalog, and you know, with two (laughs) Harvard degrees and everything. So I think that's one area where you know, I have to tweak my style. And it's funny because I even sent my dad a picture of me this weekend at an event. And he was like, that little jacket you're wearing, you need to get something a little bit more jazzy, like, or whatever. (laughs) Basically, he's telling me the same thing. Like, you've had that jacket for 10 years. You need something that's more stylish, more, you know, CEO-ish. And so, yes, you kind of have to walk into that role. And that is not to say a struggle for me, but it's like, I feel I'm very humble. And I'm very just kind of like, let me get it done. If I have on like yoga pants and like a, a hoodie, that's good. But the outside world, particularly with dealing with a black woman at this level, in terms of what we've accomplished, people, you've got to come with your A game. And so I don't have to compromise who I am as a black woman as a result of that. I just have to come with my a professional game. Hmm. So that's that's the tweaking. And then the woman thing, like I said, I just spoke to that in terms of, you know, what goes for, you know, for white men and entrepreneurial in It's like they can show up with half an idea and I have to get a million dollars in sales or $2 million in sales and 4,000 stores before someone takes me seriously. So it's mm-hmm. like yeah, there is somewhat of a double standard.
1: Now this this podcast is all about saying yes, but yes. I am curious how do you say no? So I'm sure you have people coming out of the woodwork asking for collaborations and partnerships and to be on podcasts I mean, how do you tell folks no? in order to, to really maintain control over your time?
0: Well, how would I say that? You just have to say no. Like, <laughs> it just, you know, at this time, you know, it's the end of the year. Unfortunately, you know, my schedule is is full at this time. If there's an opportunity for us to work together in the future, we will reach out. It's just kind of just being Polite, but also being honest and setting boundaries. And, you know, we talked about this at CBA, the boundaries are important. you just have to get good at setting them and respecting them yourself. So Hmm. that's something I need to work on.
1: Do you feel like you are, are you maxed out on time right now?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm like, (laughs) I'm at my limit. I'm at my (laughs) limit.
1: How do you identify what projects that you're going to take on? So do you have a a process for trying to figure out whether or not a new project is something that you want to, to take on as a venture?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have my priorities. There are a, a kind of like five to six things that are going at any given time. And then some things fall into my lap. I'm like, this doesn't fit within the framework of those five or six things, but this could be interesting. So, you know, your, your plate is always full, but I just kind of look at what is going to get us to the next level, both in the short term and long term, and those are the areas that I lend my focus to. And other things, while they may be great, if they are not kind of consistent with that mission, then we have to kind of move past them. Hmm.
1: Now you're constantly pitching the product. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with rejection and folks telling you no?
0: No, don't mean no. That means not right now. <laughs> That's what that means.
1: So Mm-mm. is there an is there an initial no that you received? from let's say a vendor company and then you flip that into a yes over time
0: uh ee, let's see how would it, some stores may say no like a whole foods may say no or mm. asset no and then you know a, a given store will circle back with us but it's just part of the game it's like it's a real estate game even though it's beauty and it's like you basically have to come for more real estate and when people tell you no, you just keep following up every quarter. That happened with Sally's. It wasn't a no. It was just the silent treatment. We got into, we're like, yeah, we were in a bunch of Sally's. And for the longest time, they just did not get back to us. And then one day they did. And from there, it was just like, okay, great. But I don't take no as a no. I take it as not right now. Hmm. Talk about
1: your team. Are there, you know, a lot of people... When we talked about this, you know, they try to go at it alone and you have built out a team of folks who have really helped you to take this venture to the next level. Were there particular profiles that you were trying to fill when you first started assembling a team?
0: Um, and the thing about it is. The profile is hardworking, smart good writer. Those are the three and, and loyal slash down for me. Everything else I feel like you can come up to speed on. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, this person has to have like our, our warehouse manager. She was never a warehouse manager. She was like, In production, and she just worked hard and came to work all the time, and everyone liked her. And after me firing three other managers, I gave her a shot, and she has thrived and she has held on to this position, and she continues to rise above anything we both would have ever expected. Um, And so I don't like to put limits on people. I don't really go by people's resumes. I go by the the gut feeling they give me. And like I said, if they're smart, if they're hardworking, if they write well, and if they're down for me, then we can find a place for them.
1: Talk about the writing well. Okay, I teach a lot of writing classes and Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the fact that a lot of high schools are now turning all of their attention towards teaching what's on these state standardized tests. But I feel like a lot of the writing that I'm getting from mm. freshmen is is bad. And not just bad in terms of, I'm also taking into account that this is their first year of college but it seems like the quality of writing has gone down or the attention to detail with writing and you've mentioned this as a quality that you really want to that you want someone to possess talk about why that's important
0: well i like write good writers because okay particularly as i get busy and you know with me having two hour degrees working at top law firms it's very important how you communicate over email um, whether, especially when money is involved or payments are involved or timelines are involved. So I need people who can write succinctly, who can write crisply, who can express themselves. And it's like, not like three sentences in one sentence because we're trying, you know what I'm saying? We have a lot going on. So for instance, my assistant, I like her to be a good writer. Cause now I can just say, Hey, here are the eight people. I kind of need to be able to say this, put something together for me to look at. And it just saves me time um, having to kind of craft the perfect email if at least someone gives me something good enough to work with. Hmm. Also, good writing is important because sometimes people are like, well, how do you use your law degree? Sometimes when a retailer, when we get these situations where there are no's or maybes or whatever, I have to put together a compelling argument for why they should take a certain product or why they should give us more stores or why they should give us more real estate. And I realized that the other day, I was like, wait, previously, here's an example of a no maybe turning into a yes. Hmm. CVS took three of our products, right, for this launch in 2017. And the old me would have been like, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. We're going to be in all these CVS stores with three products. No, the new me or the once you learn is like three products is great. You know, thousands of stores are great, but I don't want three products. I want you to take four or five. And this is why I want you to take them. And so hmm. you have to be a good writer to be able to express that not only to make it compelling, but you have to be able to do it succinctly. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, the old me would have been like, "Oh my gosh, we're in CVS. This is great." The new me is like, "Yeah, this is great, but we need more real estate. I need more." You know, you know what I'm saying? Isn't this the tribe call? Yes, it's like yes plus more.
1: And a lot of people are like, "Thank you so much." Shaking hands, walking away. Yeah. And was that a so was that your initial response when you first started breaking
0: in? Well, yeah, because I didn't know anything. You know what I'm saying? I, I worked at Oracle and that was a huge part of my learnings in terms of how to be a businesswoman, uh, was working at Oracle and just seeing how aggressive these sales guys would get. But they were the vendor, meaning they were the CVS. So I had to learn that, hey, when we get additional products in the store, we make more money. So three is good but let me make a case for four or five Hmm. i want
1: to shift to to cancer and talk about how you've i mean you've beaten it um and and just listening to your story of how much you do on a daily basis and then also tackling this health issue talk about you know your experience with cancer and, and where you are now
0: So the cancer situation, I tell people I am deeply spiritual, particularly after this, like we started this year in a thousand stores, like after we started this year in a thousand stores and I was diagnosed in December with breast cancer. And it's nine months later, I'm cancer free and we will be in like over four to five thousand stores. I'm still waiting on the door count. Literally, when I was going through chemotherapy, when I was doing radiation, having multiple rounds of testings and biopsies and like was largely out of commission. So it's an amazing testament to God of what he can do if, you know, this is if this is what your destiny is. It's like I literally did nothing and the company took off without me. And so it's a testament to like my spirituality, my faith, my belief in God, but also just kind of like an amazing team of people that we have built an organization that with or without me, this ship can still keep sailing. And I'm very proud of that.
1: So your relationship with God prior to the cancer, how would you, how would you describe that?
0: I mean it was strong I think I was like faithful I would think I was faithful I, I think pretty much everything I had done up to this point it was like there's no way I would have been able to do it without God you know yeah. like Harvard degrees all that it's like okay but this this situation was like so big it was like and it becomes a testament because when other when I tell other people like you have to think about it a thousand stores to five thousand stores, and I'm on my couch, barely checking email. How does that happen? How can you explain that when i'm like, when I'm healthy and you know speaking to people say prior to the situation they might they may not get it. they may be like, but she went to Harvard twice, and she's a hustler and whatever. No I'm literally on my couch, and we're in additional four thousand stores. How does that happen like mm. how does that happen so I think it's just a remarkable testimony, and people can take it take with it what they will. Um, but I think it's an amazing example, even to myself. Prior to you know, prior to this whole situation, like, wow, this is amazing. It's you, totally amazing. I just can't, I can't picture you
1: on a couch. I mean, you.
0: Oh, I got pictures, you, plenty of them. <laughs> and I know it's true,
1: but with the go go mentality that you have, how are you? And I know you've mentioned God. What was your coping mechanism? Because it seems like you just would want to grab a keyboard and type away.
0: Mm -mm. So, mm -mm. so (laughs) it is funny you mentioned that because I guess this goes back to the original question. When I was diagnosed, like I got everything in order. I was just like, okay, I'm going to clean up my office. I'm going to just make everything in order. And I'm going to catch up on everything that I, I can. And when my doctors asked me, when can you start chemotherapy? I was like, I have a meeting in Minneapolis with Target on March 22nd. Whatever you want to do to me, I have to look amazing for this meeting, right? <laughs> and so, you know, largely in terms of coping, I was just like resting or whatever. So I was like, this is the only thing I have to worry about is this meeting with Target. If ever, You know what I'm saying? This is the only thing I have to do. So March 22nd comes. I look amazing. My confidence was a little shook initially, but I went through that meeting they were like oh my gosh that's how you give a presentation i'm like you have no clue what the (laughs) hell is going on right now but thank you so we get in an additional i think 500 stores with target as a result of that so i was like i thought i could relax but it was like after that the whole relaxing or coping is like god just kept throwing things at me i'm like We got into Whole Foods. We got into Walgreens. Rite Aid wanted me to come meet with them. Another major distributor was like, we want you in our over-the-counter stores, which are the the beauty supply stores in kind of black neighborhoods, like nationwide." I was like, how is this happening when I'm like sick and laying on the couch? So my coping, it was like, I kind of had to give up control and being a perfectionist. And I tell people like, sometimes you think, Everything has to be a certain way, or everything has to be neat and perfect order before you, you know, accomplish something. This situation told me sometimes you just have to go with the chaos. And my coping was I had to just let go. It was not going to be perfect because I, I just had to do what I could with what I had, hmm. resource wise. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Now the 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 effect of your story and success and testimony. What do you hear from people, both one who have been touched by the product itself and then two, who've been touched by your, your story of success? Like what do, what do people tell you on the street and when you're talking to them and, and, and they kind of react to what kind of an impact you've had on their lives?
0: Well, it's funny because like I started For breast cancer month, just kind of telling my story on Instagram. And I got really personal and really raw and authentic. And I went into everything. I was like, you know, about the Target meeting. I talked about. I was angry and asking God, why me? Why now? Like my life, I'm like, I've worked so hard. I've gotten to the point where I can finally relax and you're going to give me cancer. Like I'm finally having fun, like one month into having fun. And it's like, Merry Christmas. You have cancer. So I was very angry. And I even tell people I kicked in a shower door like, Karate kid style like glass was everywhere but people tell me when they oh one other thing and then a guy I was dating like totally like dropped me out of nowhere so I didn't ask him to be my nurse or anything but he was like all trying to be lovey and whatever I was like okay if you want to be here you can be here but you don't have to and then he just disappears and mm. and is supposedly getting married to someone else so whatever But in any event, people see me on the street and they just tell me, I appreciate your authenticity. I appreciate your realness. I appreciate you sharing this with me because so much of what we see on social media is a cherry-picked version of people's lives. People want to know that they're not alone in whatever it is that they're going through. And so the final chapter of kind of my story is we are all survivors. You know, they talk about being a cancer survivor, but we are all survivors we've all been through things and basically we are not alone so the the biggest reaction i get from people are like thank you for letting me know that i'm not alone and even though i don't have breast cancer whatever it is i'm going through personally your example of strength and endurance is giving me the hope to know that i can make it myself so yeah, we are all
1: survivors. Hey, talk to the tribe about this authenticity. Is, is it Motown? Is it is it the way you were brought up? I mean, why why are you real? <laughs> right? Because you, you're right about like all the. We live in such a sanitized mm-hmm. environment where you know you gotta have the right filter, the right angle you post. Everything's great. Um, I was thinking about this for my own personal life i need to start posting the crazy pictures of legos everywhere i've got you know um stuffed animals in my boots when i put them on so it's just like things are nuts but you don't want to present that out and in, and in, a lot of people don't want to do that out on social media where do you get this authenticity from
0: i think it's the combination of like the pressure that i'm under and i want to be under less pressure but it's the kind of thing where it's like I have no choice but to be real because it's like I have so much work already. It's so much more work for me to be what I'm not and to create this manufactured version of myself. It's so much easier for me to just be like, it is what it is. This is what I'm dealing with. I have to move on because I have 5,000 emails and like a podcast and then I'm going on this situation and I have to get back to the people at Oracle because I have so much on my plate. I just don't have the time to be anything but myself, but I've always been fairly authentic. And I think coming from Detroit, we are very much like it is what it is. We're going <laughs> to tell you how it is. And so I just think it's a combination of the upbringing as well as being so busy. It's just like, I cannot build in the space for like the fakeness. It's very draining. Hmm. So draining.
1: All right. We've, we've reached the two minute drill, a couple of rapid fire questions here for you. All right, you have, speaking of social media, uh, you have one last tweet to send out to humanity. Okay, this is it. This is it. You are signing off for life. Okay, what does it say?
0: I didn't come to play with these
1: hoes. You know that. You know that. I did not come to play with these you. Can you, tra- can you give us the urban dictionary translation of what you just
0: said? So basically Beyonce has a song that I guess there's a line in it. I didn't come to play with these hoes. I came to slay bitch. And it's basically like I am here for nothing but excellence. I'm not here for mediocrity. I'm not here to be just good. I am here to be excellent in and in, in, in abound beyond that. And so it's just like, yeah, I'm going to give it my my best shot my team is going to give it its best shot and we're here to win we're here to be the best and so that's what that means in non-urban <laughs> nomenclature
1: i love it okay one cliche
0: oh. you would eradicate from the world
1: from human language
0: oh my god i, I what, what? where do you get him wet with
1: that one? (laughs) Well, here's the thing, right? I feel like it goes back to authenticity. I feel like a lot of people hide behind these, you know, it's all good. For example, when I hear it's all good, I'm like, is it really all good? (laughs) Is it, is it all, is it, where is that? Where is that place where it's all good? So I feel like these cliches, a lot of people kind of hide behind them and it's shorthand and it just absolutely means nothing.
0: So I have one for you. (laughs) Uh, One cliche is like, I look forward to keeping in touch or something like that. Like if you want to break that down Some, sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah. Like I look forward to keeping in touch. Sometimes you're like, I have so many emails and text messages. I don't, if I can have just one less person to keep in touch with, that would be great. So maybe that's one of them. I don't know. I don't know.
1: That, that is the way I sign off on like 95% of my emails. I appreciate it. I pre- thank you. Thank you. Now now I'm going to be sending a second guessing. No,
0: but I'm glad we actually kept in touch but then you know that there's like for every person like you, there's like 20
1: people
0: <laughs> Well, you're like, Oh God. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. Okay.
0: Title of the mandatory class. I would say at this point in our world, originally I was going to say like business, like economics, but I think Spanish mm. because it's like, if you're not speaking Spanish in, in, in this world in in, in America, in the next 10 years, you are just going to be left behind at all levels. Mm. You have to understand that customer base. I don't know how that's going to fit into our strategy, but the point is you need to get ready. Love it's it. The writing's on the wall.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I've got my kids in Spanish immersion school. I mean, all okay. day. So they'll be happy to know now they're not liking me as much because it's a tough transition. But you're right. You're right. You're going to be behind the eight ball soon as of yesterday uh what is the book that you have not written what, what's the title of that book
0: if this is only a test what breast cancer taught me about faith hair business and love Woof.
1: Woof. <laughs> when does it hit amazon
0: i don't know oh. i gotta start writing it i'm meeting <laughs> i'm working on it starting today i'm gonna need, to,
1: need you to real are you serious <laughs> i am I love it. I need you to speak Mm -hmm. that into existence, meditate. I need you to put up some kind of, ai don't know, write in your, um, I'm a big fan of of taking dry erase markers and writing in my bathroom on the mirror. Um, Just constant reminders. So I need that to happen. So 5 p.m. today begins the first draft. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I love it. Okay. Here's the last one for you. Here's the last one. All right. So in football, there's a play fourth and one. You know, this is that, this is like, gotta have it, your go to. When you are at the lowest of lows and you need to find some way to get out, is there a poem? Is there a song? Is there a book?
0: No, it's, it's called Tito's and Tonic. I'll take a box of tonic. he them been moving. You're like, is there a poem? Is there a Bible verse? If you want a Bible verse, I can give you one of those. But the initial reaction was Tito's and Tonic. Okay.
1: Okay. Ah, uh, the good folks down in Texas, Tito's, a Texas creation. They will appreciate the fact that a woman from you Motown... You were not ready for that. I was not-, not ready for it woman from Motown who now lives in Chicago is sipping on Tito's. That is quite a toast to the Lone Star State.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, we appreciate it. Thanks for visiting the tribe. You are the busiest woman on the planet. Not you know. <laughs> you are. You are. But uh, congratulations on your success. Glad you are starting that book title today. Okay. Appreciate it. All right, that's the end of the tape. I,
0: you know what? This has No, been good I st- appreciate you having me on the show, too. This was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun.
1: Thank you for listening to A Tribe Called Yes. For more information, you can visit us at atribecalledyes.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And don't forget, keep saying yes.